Welcome to the British Sports Car Podcast. Join me, Sarah, and Nick, our resident sports car expert, as we bring you all the latest news from the top tiers of British motorsport, including British GT, GT Cup and Brick Car, as well as British motorsport interests from around the world. Hello, my name's Nick Smith. I am one of the two hosts of the British Sports Car Podcast and welcome to our latest episode. First things first, let's deal with the, well, I suppose we'd call it the absolutely massive Rick Parfit Jr. enhanced with spotlights and half a dim tweaks elephant in the room. It's been too long since we've sat down and had a chance to speak to you and for that I offer my sincerest apologies. Back in May, when we were at Donington Park, we had plans to do another episode pretty much straight away. Um, alas, we had to put those plans on hold. My work diary went absolutely nuts. Sarah was very, very busy as well. Then she was away, then she was back, then she was away in again, and now she's back. And recently she's been learning the joys of being the only driver in her circle of friends and has done more miles in the past week than I have. And I'm a driving instructor. I do a lot of miles. It did leave us with a problem. And that problem is that Sarah and I absolutely love doing this podcast and we love talking about British GT and GT Cup, and you may have noticed that I love getting sidetracked and talking about sports car racing uh, the other side of the Atlantic because, well, it's America, and they do things differently over there, and yeah, I'm digressing again. But we do it for the love. Um, At the moment, we've been running the podcast for nearly three years, and there is no money in it for us. It is purely because we enjoy doing it and we like talking to you about the sport. So when work diaries started getting in the way of podcast diaries, we had to focus on the work. Um, As everybody knows, there is a cost of living crisis going on. I've just had to pay a rather substantial electricity bill. So I have to focus the, the efforts on the things that pay the most. However, we have managed to get from Donington Park, uh, which we've put out a bit of ambient sound from, but we haven't actually discussed the race in any way. Um, So three-hour race at Donington Park, two one-hour races in Norfolk at Snetterton, and a two-hour race in the Ardair Forest in Belgium at Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps. So we've managed to have basically seven hours of British GT racing go past and not say a word about it. This is quite frankly unacceptable to me. In about 36 hours time, we're heading down south and we're heading there for the penultimate round of the British GT Championship, the two-hour race on the Brands Hatch Grand Prix circuit. It's always a good race. Uh, provided the weather's good, we're going to absolutely love camping out at Brands Hatch. Um, we may see potentially if we can meet up with any of you. Do feel free to contact us on our social media if you're staying at or around the circuit and fancy buying your favourite podcast host a beer. I joke, of course. 
Um, but if you want to meet up, we'll, we'll absolutely be delighted to, to, to talk to you face to face. But before we do that, we've, we've kind of got to clear the decks and we've got to put in place a plan of action so that you guys get the British GT content and the GT Cup content that you want from us a lot more promptly than we've been managing to do it recently. More on that after we've discussed the seven hours of racing that have taken place since we last spoke. Now, Sarah is busy preparing for Brands Hatch, which leaves it, I'm afraid, just to me uh, to run through these races for you. I will try and make it as unsleeping, spiringly dull as possible. Um, so let's get going. And Donington Park, where we gave you that ambient sound, which if you haven't listened to, I recommend you do, because the different sounds of the GT3 cars is just amazing. Um, the race was, well, we, we kind of could have called it. It happened tail end of last year. Um, tail end of last year, the final round, the Donington Decider was won by the Enduro Motorsport McLaren 720S GT3. And they've managed to pull off back-to-back uh, -back wins at the same venue because this time out they took pole and they took the win so it must have been a boring race right not quite um morgan tilbrook took the start in the number 77 machine uh very very early on lost out to the number four two seas motorsport mercedes amg gt3 of james cottingham he was sharing with lewis williamson this move was made round the outside of Redgate Corner on the first lap. So really, the first chance for that Mercedes to get past the McLaren, it pounced. And it left the McLaren with mirrors full of a angry hornet's nest of GT3 cars that all wanted to eat it alive and get past it. Um, which they didn't manage to do. In all fairness to Mr. Tilbrook, he managed to hold off the encroaching hordes. But in that time, Cottingham managed to build a bit of a lead. Soon thereafter, there was an unfortunate incident involving two of the Lamborghinis. These are the Barwell Motorsport run car for Adam Ballon and the WPI Motorsport run car for team owner Michael Igo. The stewards judged Michael Igo to be at fault, and having looked, watched back the footage, I really can't blame them. It was a optimistic attempt to overtake at the Melbourne hairpin, which did leave bits of Barbell Lamborghini on the tarmac and resulted in a penalty for the red and black machine. Now, you'd have thought that that would have taken them out of, completely out of contention. But by the end of the three-hour race, Michael Igo and co-driver Phil Keane had managed to drag the WPI motorsport car up into sixth place overall. Um, and it really is a. They start off coming in two by two in the final result, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but then there is a brace of Lamborghinis to spice things up as well. Um, so, 10 second stop or go penalty for Michael Igo and a safety car which compressed the field. Not only did it compress the field, but being an endurance race, there is no pit window, and it allowed the entire field to pit and change drivers and top off fuel and put on new tyres. Enduro Motorsport really earned their keep at this point, and I'm sure the team bosses of 
Tilbrook and Clutton were satisfied with their guys' work because they managed to leapfrog the Cottingham-Williamson car in the pit lane. And not only did they get past their class rivals, but they managed to slot a couple of GT4 cars in there as well. Come the restart, that allowed the Enduro car to build up a 30-second gap from the rest of the GT3 field. And over the next couple of hours of racing, they built that up to a gap of 59.973 seconds. Cottingham and Williamson took second place, and Ian Loggy and Callum McLeod claimed third place for Ram Racing, also driving a Mercedes AMG. 76 was the surprising result here, and I don't mean that in any way unfairly, but Mia Fluitt and Ewan Hankey haven't had the the pace and success of the other McLaren cars so far this year. Uh, but they, they managed to finish fourth, which did give them um, their, their, their championship aspirations a, a wee bit of a boost. Um, finishing ahead of the GT3 Silver Am winning Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo of Alex Malakin and James Dorlin the Red Line Racing Run Lamborghini. As I've already said, Michael Igo, Phil Keane managed to finish sixth despite taking a 10-second stop-and-go penalty uh, for their contact ahead of Ram Racing, the second car, the number 15, of John Ferguson and Ulysses de Pau, who just continued to impress. Uh, obviously, Ram Racing being Mercedes-AMG. And then the Audi R8 LMS Evo 2 GT3 of Balfe Motorsport, Sean Balfe and Adam Carroll sharing the driving in the number 22. Ninth place overall went to Fox Motorsport, Nick Halstead and Rob Bell sharing a McLaren 720S GT3, finishing ahead of the team Parker Racing, Porsche 911 GT3R of Nick Jones and Scott Malvin, who rounded out the top 10. Now, there are no invitational entries there, so that is the end of the overall points. But the points actually run down to 15th place in the Pro-Am class, and they run down even further. They run all the way down to 17th, the last of the running GT3 cars uh, in the Silver Am, because there's obviously points for the top 10 in each subcategory too. Uh, continuing the GT3 finishing order, Paddock Motorsport, Kelvin Fletcher and Martin Plowman in their McLaren 720S, ahead of the similarly equipped Greystone GT run, father and son team of Stuart and Lewis Proctor. Team Abba Racing, another father and son outfit, Richard and Sam Neary in their Mercedes AMG GT3, finishing ahead of the Century Motorsport run, BMW M4 GT3 of Betty Chen sharing with Angus Fender. Now, I have said some not uncomplimentary things about Betty Chen, but some honest things about the way that I feel, well, from my opinion, the way she's driven. But at the Donington Park round, I couldn't say anything against her. Now, that is because I couldn't say anything about her at all, but that is a vast improvement over the previous comments of, dear God, this is painfully slow, 
she's being overtaken by GT4 cars. So there is progress happening there. Barbell Motorsport managed to recover to 15th place. Adam Ballon and Sandy Mitchell sharing the number 72 car. Ahead of Team Rocket RJNs, Simon Watts and James Kell in a McLaren 720S GT3. The Bentley Continental of Assetto Motorsport, Mark Sansom and Will Tregertha finished 17th. And that was the last of the contiguous block of GT3 cars. GT4 then, and what happened there? Academy have always staked quite a firm claim on any race win at Donington Park, and they didn't disappoint this time either. The Academy Motorsport car had a 17.956 second lead over their nearest rivals, which was the defending champions, Will Burns, uh, Century Motorsport run, BMW M4 GT4. Um, Not often that you can put knocking on for 20 seconds over Will Burns in a GT4 car. Um, So pretty impressive performance there. Marco Signoretti shared the car with Matt Cowley. Um, And it was just an impressive race. Started fourth, passed defending uh, Pro-Am champion Matt Topham on the first lap, then uh, took Richard Williams, who, without being biased, I would say is probably the fastest silver in in British GT, um, possibly, I don't know. Um, pop, I don't know whether in identical machinery he'd outpace um, Sam Neary, but in the GT4 class, Richard Williams and his co-driver Senan Fieldings, they are a, a blistering combination, and Signoretti managed to get the advantage when the Audi uh, spun from the lead from pole at Old Hairpin in the early laps of the race. There was a brief battle with Will Burns as well. Um, and then the, the the Ford Mustang, which I remind you is the only Ford Mustang racing in the championship. We had two a couple of years back, uh, but is the only one racing in the championship. So there's not a whole lot of data sharing going on here. Uh, settled into second place with R Racing setting the pace at the head of the field, Jamie Day at the wheel. The safety car didn't just affect GT3, it affected GT4 as well. And there was a bit of a shuffling effect going on here. Um, stellar performance or stellar motorsport, the uh, Audi. R8 of Williams and Fielding probably didn't enjoy the safety car and the pit stops as much as other people did um, because the wave by that brought the leaders to the head of the field managed to put their car quite at a disadvantage. Uh, what would have happened here is that the number 42 would have been just behind the leading GT3 car. 
whereas all of its class rivals would have been in front of it behind the safety car queue. So when they waved the cars that were holding the leader back from the safety car around, they managed to put a lap on the Audi in GT4. And basically from then on, it was, uh, it was, that was all she wrote for that car. The pit work from uh, all the teams were pretty good, but Academy managed to stand out. Uh, leapfrogging Matt Cowley, who had taken over from Marco Signoretti, into the lead, with Darren Turner behind. Uh, the previously leading Aston Martin, now at the hands of Josh Miller, was in third, um, along with uh, the along with the Century Motorsport BMW of uh, Jack Brown, who had taken over from Will Burns. I do apologise. My brain has just completely faded. I should point out I've done 10 hours of driving lessons today as well. Okay. Um, so that kind of resettled the order. The top two cars managed to escape pretty quickly. Um, so that was... Matt Cowley and Darren Turner. And again, a lot of respect being given to Matt Cowley. We know he's not slow, but when you've got a Darren Turner behind you and you're still managing to hold him off, that is, is pretty impressive as well. Um, as, uh, there was a situation which actually allowed Darren Turner to finally get the upper hand, and it was over an hour after the safety car came in, that this happened. GT3 traffic uh, caused Matt Cowley to break momentum. Um, the Aston Martin managed to scrabble past around the outside of the old hairpin. Um, but the final stops uh, then came. Um, it put Topham and Signoretti pretty much back together. Uh, the Canadian driver managing to get the upper hand very, very quickly. Um, but he still didn't manage to pull away. Another round of pit stops didn't really affect the end result much at all. Um, there was a six-second lead when the final round of pit stops started. Um, Newbridge, the Darren Turner, Matt Topham car, had success seconds to serve from the previous round, which gave Academy all the advantages that they really needed. Um, and then just to, to seal the deal and to confirm that the Aston Martin would not be reclaiming the lead, the one of the front brake discs and calipers of the Aston Martin managed to catch fire in the pits, uh, which had to be dealt with, of course, and that cost them almost half a minute. Um, promoted Century Motorsport to second, which is where they remained at the end of the race, ahead of Toyota Gazoo Racing UK's Tom Edgar and Jordan Collard. Uh, no need to tell you there what car they were driving. Team Parker Racing's Jamie Orton and Sepp Hopkins. Um, their Porsche 718 Cayman came in in fourth place in GT4 ahead of the erstwhile leading Jamie Day and Josh Miller-driven are racing Aston Martin. Veluga Racing was the second Porsche, 
They were in seventh place, Ross Riley and Matty Graham sharing the driving, ahead of the recovering Topham and Turner-driven Aston from Newbridge. Um, I think it's quite impressive that they managed to stay inside the top ten after actually being on fire. Um, Richard Williams and Senan Fielding were knocking on 50 seconds further back, so their day just went from bad to worse. Um, but they still finished ahead of Tom Rawlings and Chris Salkeld in the number nine century BMW. Final classified runner was Team Brits, Aaron Morgan and Bobby Trundley, the McLaren 570S GT4. They finished second in the Pro-Am class behind Topham and Turner. All the non-classified cars came from the GT4 class. The Assetto Motorsport Janetta, Paddock Motorsport McLaren, and the Motus One McLaren all failed to complete the race. The last car retiring on lap 74 uh, compared to the GT4 winners, 106. So it wasn't a, uh, a fantastic race for those three cars. Now, I realise that I have glossed over quite a lot here and I mean no offence to anybody that had their own battle in the race but I have got as I say seven hours of action to cover in one podcast I need to kind of almost do the football pools here rather than uh, actually give you a blow by blow so moving on then to the Snetterton 300 circuit uh, on the 25th and 26th of June now, there were two races, both of them one hour long, and I'm not going to go through the high points here. I am literally just going to read off the results to you because otherwise I'm going to have you here all night. So the first race was claimed by Ian Loggy and Callum McLeod for Ram Racing in the Mercedes ahead of WPI Motorsports, Michael Igo and Phil Keen Lamborghini Huracan. Michael Igo has always impressed at Snetterton and he managed it again. And of course, Phil Keane is just light and quick in anything that you want him to drive. Third place was a welcome win in the Silver Am class for Team Abba Racing, Richard Neary and Sam Neary, who, if we say that Phil Keane has historically always done well, the Team Abba car has historically not liked Snetterton. So it's good to see them getting a decent result. Two C's Motorsports, Cottingham and Williamson in the Mercedes. Number four came in fourth place ahead of the winners of the Donington Park race, Morgan Tilbrook and Marcus Clutton for Enduro Motorsport. Barwell Motorsports, Adam Ballon and Sandy Mitchell, their Lamborghini, uh, the number 72 car, came fifth in the Pro-Am class and sixth overall. Ahead of the John Ferguson and Unissi de Pau driven Ram Racing number 15. Redline Racing's number 32 car, the Lamborghini of Malakian and Dorlin, came in eighth. They were third in Silver Am, the second Ram Racing car uh, coming second in Silver Am. And then Fox Motorsports, Nick Halstead and Jamie Stanley driven McLaren 720S, ninth overall and sixth in Pro Am. Silver Am 
fourth place car is the number two, Simon Watts and James Kell for Team Rocket RJN. Of course, a McLaren. Uh, with the 76 car of Mia, Blewett and Ewan Hankey. Again, also a McLaren 720S GT3. Coming in just outside the overall points in 11th. 7th in Pro-Am class competition. And there is an asterisk against the 76 car to say that 32.1 seconds was added to the race time in lieu of a drive-through penalty for causing a collision. Uh, if we put those 32-odd seconds on, that would put them in 8th place. So actually, you know, correct myself, in ninth place. So, but still a points paying position in the overall championship. The next car up, the team, uh, team Parker Racing, Porsche, uh, Jones and Malvin, the number 66 car. They've also got an asterisk. Uh, they also got 32.1 seconds for causing a collision. If they'd have had those, if they hadn't had to add those seconds, that would have put them in 10th place so they again would have scored overall points the bentley had a better weekend mark samson and will tregertha for assetto motorsport they finished 13th overall but fifth in the silver am class with betty chen and joel erickson there's been a change of drivers in the m4 gt3 for century motorsport so betty and joel finished in 14th place, 9th in the Pro-Am class. Paddock Motorsport, Martin Plowman's car, the McLaren 720S GT3. Kelvin Fletcher was unavailable for driving duties, so former British GT champion Graham Davidson swapped his Aston Martin for a McLaren and managed to bring home 10th place points in Pro-Am, so just the single point in this race for Martin Plowman. Uh, Greystone GT, Stewart and Lewis Proctor, they took sixth in the Silver Am class. They also took a penalty. Uh, let's see what that one was for. It just says in lieu of a drive-through penalty, doesn't give the reason. Um, and then that brings us to the end of the solid block of GT3 cars. There are further GT3 cars in the classification. We have... GT3 Pro-Am 11th place car is Flick Haig and Johnny Adam. This was a welcome return because we haven't seen Flick or Johnny for quite a while. And as you expect, this pairing, they've won the championship in an Aston Martin. They've always raced an Aston Martin, so they'll be racing in a Mercedes AMG. Yeah, confused me a few times, and there's several times I had to backspace that weekend for race reports and things like that um and then continuing to run down the order here there was also the john F no no that's the last of the gt3 cars so just 28th place 11th in gt3 program for our returning drivers uh returning from a couple of years ago flick Haig and johnny adam in the gt4 class it was Josh Miller and Jamie Day who impressed the most. Their R-Racing Aston Martin Vantage AMR GT4 claimed the victory in GT4 overall, let alone in GT4 
Silver, ahead of Stellar Motorsport, and reasonably ahead as well. 6.696 seconds was the margin between the Aston Martin and Richard Williams and Senna Fielding's Stellar Motorsport Audi. Now, if you were going to back a car for a win at Snetterton uh, in the GT4 class, um, you would be putting money on that Audi because they've always done well in Norfolk. Directly behind them was the Topham and Turner-driven Newbridge Motorsport Aston Martin, ahead of Tom Edgar and Jordan Collard's Toyota Gazoo Racing UK Supra. Chris Salkald and Tom Rawlings shared the BMW M4 GT4 of Century Motorsport, the highest-placed Century BMW. Um, actually stealing quite a march on their um, more well-tipped uh, teammates in the number 90 car. Team Brit uh, took second in the Pro-Am class behind the Topham Turner uh, car. Again, Adam Morgan and Bobby Trundley's McLaren 720S. Ahead of Veluga Racing for Ross Wiley and Matty Graham. And Team Parker Racing for Jamie Orton and Seb Hopkins. Both cars, 718 Cayman, the Porsche GT4 offering. Finishing fifth and sixth respectively in GT4 Silver. Seventh in GT4 Silver, 25th on the road overall, which means 11th in GT4 overall. Jack Brown and Will Burns. And the thing that surprised me most here, no offence to Jack, is that he got the fastest lap for that car as well. Uh, Motors One Racing, Ed McDermott and Michael Broadhurst came in third in GT4 Pro-Am. And then the number 56 of Freddie Tomlinson and Joe Wheeler took eighth in GT4 Silver. The ninth place GT4 Silver was Matt Cowley and Marco Signoretti. Again, a surprise here. The, the Ford Mustang has always gone well at Snetterton. Um, they may not like the, the, the high-speed corners, but there aren't many of them on the Snetterton 300 circuit. It's a very slow the car down, turn the car right, boot it kind of circuit, and it suits a big grunty V8. Um, I throw in the fact that Multimatic, who developed the car, have a factory. Uh, I suppose if you tried really hard, you could probably throw a wheel nut through the window from the circuit. It's that close. It's only about five miles down the road. Um, I'd have thought that car would have done better in the Norfolk countryside. 30th uh, final classified runner, Ashley Marshall and Mo Ritson for Paddock Motorsport in the McLaren 720S GT4. And there were no unclassified runners in the race. For all the latest news from sports car and endurance racing around the world, visit the checkeredflag.co.uk slash sportscars. With expert coverage of the World Endurance Championship, Porsche One Me Racing, the world of SRO Racing and Genetis, TCF Sports Cars is your one-stop shop for GT and prototype news. Follow at TCF Sports Cars on Twitter and get your latest stories direct to your feed today. Brings us to race two, uh, where John Ferguson and Ulysses de Pau struck their headlines as the race winners. Uh, Ram Racing again, Mercedes AMG, ahead of Adam Ballon and Sandy Mitchell. 
and only just ahead as well. It was a win by 0 0.340 seconds. And honestly, I think it's probably the first time, at least the first time in five years that I can remember that we've gone to Snetterton for a race and we've not had a Lamborghini win. Um, I am just waiting for, making sure I wasn't <laughs> saying the wrong thing there. And of course, I wasn't. It was a double victory for Mercedes. Third place, the second in GT3 Pro-Am behind the Adam Ballon, uh, Sandy Mitchell, Ron Barwell, Lamborghini, was Flick Haig and Johnny Adam. But it is worth noting here that that particular car, the number 75, does not count as far as the points totals are concerned. It is a round-by-round -round entry, and therefore when they go to hand out points, and points, of course, at the end of the season mean... I'm sure I could hear you say prizes there. Um, they ignore that car completely. That does mean then that as we go down, if you're trying to calculate points here, every time I say a position in Pro-Am, take a number off. GT3 Silver Am, the second place behind the winning um, Mercedes of DePau and Ferguson, was Redline Racing, Malakin and Dorlin in the Lamborghini. Enduro Motorsport took third place in Pro-Am. Remember, second place for points uh, for Tilbrook and Clutton. Ahead of Pro-Am entered Ram Racing Mercedes of Loggy and McLeod. Two Seas Motorsports uh, Pro-Am entered Mercedes of Cottingham and Williamson took seventh overall, fifth in the Pro-Am class, which counts for fourth for points. Ahead of Fox Motorsports, Halstead and Stanley-driven McLaren. They took 8th overall, 6th in Pro-Am. 7th in Pro-Am, ninth overall, Team Parker Racing's Porsche of Jones and Malvin. And then we get to a solid block of Silver Ams. I say solid block, it's two cars. Uh, 3rd in Silver Am is Assetto Motorsports, Samsung and Tregertha in the Bentley ahead of Team Abba Racing's Neary Neary. Um, we then get back to Pro-Am, 12th on the road, so out of the overall points, but definitely in the points in 7th points paying position. Mia Fluit and Ewan Hankey, 76 car. Silver Am, 5th place, goes to Stuart and Lewis Proctor's Greystone GT machine, ahead of the ninth placed in GT3 Pro-Am. 14th placed overall and 8th place for points. WPI Motorsport run Lamborghini for Igo and Keen. Paddock Motorsport, again, uh, I have already mentioned Graham Davison stepping in for Kelvin Fletcher. Martin Plowman sharing the driving as well. That was 15th overall, 10th in GT3 Pro-Am. And... Scouting down the list here. Final point scoring place out of the top 10 in class, but points paying because of Johnny and Blick. Betty Chen and Joel Eriksson in the number 91 Century Motorsport BMW M4 GT3. They were down in 
29th place. They were the last of the classified runners. The only car not to classify was the GT3 Silver Ram entered Team Rocket RJM Machine of Watts and Cal. So, looking at the GT4 cars then, and Century Motorsport again returned to the fore. And it was the car that you'd expect to have the stronger race, to be honest, Jack Brown and Will Burns, who took the victory by an absolutely dominant 2.472 seconds, which, let's face it, in the GT4 class, may as well have been a light year. Uh, Academy Motorsport resurged a bit. Uh, they got second place thanks to Matt Cowley and Marco Signoretti for the Ford Mustang, ahead of Topham and Turner in the Newbridge Aston Martin. That's two silver GT4 silver cars, the Century and the Academy, and then the winner in GT4 Pro-Am of Newbridge. Third in GT4 Silver, fourth in GT4 overall, Toyota Gazoo Racing. Tom Edgar and Jordan Collard were for the Toyota GR Supra GT4. Ahead of similarly entered GT4 Silver, Paddock Motorsport, Ashley Marshall and Mo Ritson, and McLaren 570. Fifth in GT4 Silver, Veluga Racing, Ross Wiley and Matthew Graham. Uh, ahead of the Team Parker Racing, Jamie Alton, Seb Hopkins, Run, Porsche 718, came in GT4 RS Club Sport. Seventh in the GT4 Silver Class are racing Josh Miller and Jamie Day in the Aston Martin, ahead of the Chris Selkeld and Tom Rawlings-driven BMW M4 GT4 from Centric. They placed eighth in GT4 Silver. Yeah, eighth in GT4 Silver. I've just completely confused myself there. Ninth went to Assetto Motorsports, Tomlinson and Wheeler, the only Janetta G56 GT4 on the grid, with the final points-paying place in the GT4 Silver class going to Stella Motorsports, Richard Williams and Senham Fielding, who managed to pick up a penalty. 25.1 seconds added to their race time in lieu of a drive through penalty for pit lane speeding. Um, so that not ideal. Uh, Motors One Racing, Ed McDermott and Michael Broadhurst finished second in the GT4 Pro-Am class. Uh, they were 27th overall, which puts them 12th in GT4. I can't do maths at this time of night. Um, with Team Brits, Adam, Aaron Morgan and Bobby Trunley in their McLaren, finishing third in the Pro-Am class. And I say the last car there is also a Pro-Am, but it's a GT3. Uh, obviously, not the best race for the Century GT3 car. That brings us to Spa-Francorchamps, to the British GT race there. And this is a, a strange race meeting, actually, because we've left most of our, our support races behind. GB3 went to the Ardennes with us. Uh, but all the rest of the support programme, which on a normal race weekend is extensive. Uh, there's GB3, GB4. There is usually at least one towing car category, which has briefly escaped my memory, but I'm going to check it now. Uh, we had 
Oh, at Snetterton, we had Radical Challenge, Radical SR1 Cup, and Uncle Luke's Snetterton Saloons. Uh, this coming weekend in Brands Hatch, uh, we have, uh, again, a full program support races, GB3, GB4, Janetta GT Academy. They're the ones that I was trying to remember. Porsche, Visit Cayman Islands, Sprint Challenge GB, come and play with us on a regular basis. Pro Tire Motorsport, Janetta GT5 Challenge. We've had the uh, TCR UK also and the um, TC Trophy, Touring Car Trophy or Touring Car Cup, whatever it's called. Uh, they've also come to play with us before as well. So only taking one of our own and calling it support categories in its name, uh, it is a co-headline. So the support package was actually made up of international championships. We had Championnat de France, FFSA GT, so basically the French GT championship. Uh, we also had Championnat de France, FFSA Tourisme. Uh, my French accent, absolutely appalling. Um, but looking at this with Peugeot 308 RCs, M BMW M2CS Racings, so we've got Renault Clio Cup cars in there as well. So we are talking about a proper touring car championship there. I'm guessing there'll be some bent metal at the end of one of those races. And we also had the Fanatec GT2 European Championship, uh, which is, despite the fact it's a higher number, or sorry, a, a lower number, higher class on paper than the GT3 cars at Headline British GT, uh, we are talking about slightly slower cars aimed at gentlemen drivers, but big, hairy-chested, um, the sort of car you wield with a sledgehammer rather than a velvet glove. What we do have is a race result for this one. We don't have championship points after, and there is a reason for that. And before we go into the race result and why we don't have points, we should talk about what happened between practice and qualifying. Because just before qualifying, from what I understand, we weren't in Belgium. So we don't know this firsthand. This is from what we've gathered from the internet uh, and from social media and things like that. Somewhere between practice or testing and qualifying, there was a reissued balance of performance, which affected specifically the McLarens. Now, the balance of performance change wasn't something, from what we understand, that the teams could do themselves. It required the manufacturer to make the changes for them. And some of the cars were done in time and some of the cars weren't. Um, the key thing here is if we look at the qualifying result uh, for GT3, um, there's going to be notifications here. Okay, so car 40. And car 11, that is the Fox Motorsport and the Paddock Motorsport entered McLaren's, uh, were both originally uh, disqualified from qualifying for not complying with the balance of performance. Whatever change it was, and we don't know what it was that needed to be changed, uh, but whatever change it was, wasn't done on these two McLaren's and only these two McLaren's, um, the 720S's. So that is Team Rocket's car was done. The Greystone GT car was done. In fact, both Greystone GT cars were done because we had a guest car uh, from GT Cup 
the Ian Campbell and Oliver Webb driven car. The 76 car was done. Uh, paddock and Endure, Paddock car wasn't done. Enduro car was. Uh, and the Fox Motorsport car wasn't done. Now, from what we understand, as I say, this is all 97th hand. <laughs> um, and they're not going to call us to testify in the National Court when it finally gets there. Um, but from what we can understand, the teams, uh, the Fox Motorsport and the uh, Paddock Motorsport cars weren't done. They went out to qualifying. Uh, they qualified actually fairly well. Fox Motorsport took second in qualifying overall, whilst the Paddock Motorsport car took fifth. Uh, that did mean that there were three McLarens in the top five. Uh, so not a bad effort at all. Um, I think potentially the fact that the Enduro Motorsport one, the one that had done the balance of performance change, um, wasn't drastically off the pace of the Fox car and wasn't miles ahead of the paddock car. Um, there's point, basically 0.5 of a second in it, and the Enduro car was pretty much smack bang in the middle. Um, not quite certain what this balance performance change was designed to do, um, but I'm also not 100% certain that it actually did it. Um, but ours is not to wonder why. Of course, those two cars, when it was found they didn't comply with the technical regulations, they hadn't completed this balanced performance, were disqualified from qualifying. The appeal was lodged by both teams, from what we understand, basically arguing, look, it was McLaren's job to do it. We aren't allowed to do it. We can't be punished if they didn't, uh, which is a novel argument. Um, and we'll see how that flies in the national court. But because an appeal was lodged, that meant that the two cars were racing under an appeal. Uh, and after what was put in place after the legal debacle that was the tail end of Alton Park, if you're racing under an appeal, you don't get the podium. Points aren't issued, etc., etc., etc. Yes, you can race. And if the appeal's upheld, you'll get the points. But if not, we're going to make it invisible. It does also mean that there are no success seconds at Brands Hatch as a result of this because they can't issue success seconds until they know who officially won Spa. Now, it is very unfortunate. And the reason it's very unfortunate is it was actually the best GT3 race that Fox Motorsport have ever had. Um, because they claimed their maiden victory. And I was very surprised to figure out that this was their maiden victory because Fox Motorsport have been in and around GT racing in British GT, and they've been in and out of GT3 as well. I was convinced they'd have won something in the past, but apparently it is their maiden win in the championship, and I couldn't be happier for them, to be honest. Reasonable win as well, 5.236 seconds ahead of James Cottingham and Lewis Williamson. Ram Racing, Ian Loggy and Jules Gounon sharing the driving this time out um, with, uh, with, with Ian in the, in the Mercedes, took third place ahead of Adam Ballon and Sandy Mitchell's Lamborghini Huracan 
and Barber Motorsport in fourth. All of the top four cars were GT3 Pro-Am. Winner in Silver Am, Alex Malakin and James Dorlin. And there was a change here as well, because we finally got used to saying the, the Redline Racing Lamborghini after years of saying the Redline Racing Porsche. So what did they do? In preparation for the 24 hours, which was a week later, they decided to practice Spa in a Porsche. So we were back to saying the Redline Racing Lambert. Oh, no, Redline Racing Porsche, um, which was nice of them. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Malikin and Mr. Dorlin. Sixth overall, second in Silver Am, was John Ferguson and Ulysses de Pau in the uh, Ram Racing Mercedes AMG. Uh, they were ahead of fifth place in GT3 Pro Am, seventh overall, Graham Davidson and Martin Plowman. So Graham Davidson still. Graham Davidson, still standing in for Kelvin Fletcher, uh, who I understand is now a farmer again, but this time a real farmer, not a TV farmer, um, although he is on TV with his real farm. I lose track of it. Sarah told me about it. I might have to watch it during the off-season. Greystone GT, uh, Stuart Proctor and Lewis Proctor in the number five car. Finished in eighth place overall, third in Silver Am, and as I've said, they weren't the only Greystone GT GT3 car at Spa. Their sister car of Ian Campbell and Ollie Webb uh, finished 12th overall, 8th in GT3 Pro-Am. Ninth place, the number two car, Team Rocket RJN, Simon Watts and James Kell, ahead of Nick Jones and Scott Malvin's number 66 Team Parker Racing Porsche. Century Motorsport, we have David Holloway this time, sharing with Joel Erickson. They finished 11th overall, 7th in GT3 Pro-Am. I hate to say I told you so, but first time Betty Chen isn't in the car and it's straight up there into the points. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect her because everybody's welcome. Um, and especially a woman because the status of women in motorsports is an ongoing embarrassment the human race and needs to be fixed. There should be more women in more top-flight race cars, in more top-flight championships, kicking more top-flight male back-end. Um, soapbox off. Um, but David Holloway and Joel Erickson kind of proved a bit of the pace that the M4 GT3 had, and then the factory-backed runners in the 24 proved it again uh, 168 hours later, basically. Um, Greystone GT as I've said Ian Campbell Oliver Webb guest car um, it is worthwhile noting again it is a guest car that finished in 12th place overall which doesn't count for overall points but 8th place in GT3 Pro-Am so 9th 10th and 11th in GT3 Pro-Am will score points we then look a little bit further down the list because here we are now into a block of GT4 cars um and yeah gt3 pro-am cars uh down in 26th and 27th uh and non-classified as well so enduro motorsport tilbrook and clotten they took ninth in the class in the gt3 pro-am class finished 26th overall that will count for eighth for points uh 
uh, and the GT3 Pro-Am entered WPI Motorsport, Lamborghini of Michael Igo and Bill Keane, took 10th on the road, 9th in the points and 27th overall. Running briefly through the GT4 cars and the other stuff that happened in the race, to be honest, I can't tell you. Um, did catch some of it, didn't catch all of it, was very busy working because I was training some new instructors. Um, but the race was won by our racing Josh Miller and Jamie Day, uh, which, if I recall correctly, and I'm going to scroll down a bit here, makes them the youngest race winners. Uh, they were the youngest race, win youngest race winners um, at the first race in Snetterton. I should remember that. I've just spoken about it. Um, which they obviously backed up by claiming victory in the endurance race at Spa. Um, it does put them firmly in in the in the battle for for the overall title as well, um, which is which is actually encouraging to see young talent coming through and showing the old farts at nineteen and twenty years old um, what what to do. Um, they finished ahead of. Jamie Orton and Seb Hopkins, 10.713 seconds clear of the Team Parker Racing Porsche 718 Cayman uh, for one and two in the GT4 Silver Club. Team Brit continued their impressive debut season uh, by taking the win in the GT4 Pro Am class, the Aaron Morgan and Bobby Trumley driven McLaren 7. Sorry, 570S GT4 car outpaced Jordan Collard and Tom Edgar in the Toyota Gazoo Racing UK Supra and Matt Topham and Darren Turner in the Aston Martin Vantage GT4. Um, and of course, uh, I've, I've actually skipped a car here as well because 16th place, third in GT4 Silver was Richard Williams and Senan Fielding's Audi RA LMS. So that's the Stella Motorsport Audi, ahead of the Toyota Kazoo Racing UK, Toyota Supra, and the Newbridge Motorsport Aston Martin Vantage AMR GT4, all of them behind the team Brit McLaren 570S GT4. Right, okay, I've got that straight. Academy Motorsport Ford Mustang GT4. Again, a car here that should love Spa. There's some big stops followed by some very long straights, uh, which will should really suit the the big bang of the eight concept. Um, I suppose it's being a bit more upright might unhappily affect it down the long straights, like the like the Camel Straight and potentially around Blanchimont as well. Um, where that, that more upright profile um, fault uh, is their Achilles heel compared to the more svelte uh, Grand Touring and sports cars um, that could test around them. Marco Signoretti and Matt Cowley shared the driving there, ahead of one of the couple of invitational entries, uh, entries that were running as a one-off. Kevin C. and Antares Au. Uh, shared a Herbert Motorsport Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 RS Club Sport. The reason for that was they were getting familiarisation with the circuit ahead of the 24 hours of Spa 
the following weekend, where they are racing in a Herbert Motorsport Porsche GT3 car. Now, there is an exemption in the uh, so the Fanatec GT World Challenge uh, Endurance Cup, powered by AWS. Um, I lose track of the, the the name of it, but the what used to be the Blanc Pan. Let's just call it the Blanc Pan. It's easier. Um, the regulations. There is an exemption in the regulations for the likes of Redline Racing, Alex Malakin and James Dorlin. They are a full season entry into the British GT Championship, which means that they can run a GT3 car at the British GT meeting a week ahead of the 24. What used to happen is we'd get, we'd get to Spa about a month before the, 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 the 24 hours would go. Um, which meant you were at Spa before the testing ban that comes in that says, right, you can't test at the circuit this close to the race. So we used to get, I mean, I've got photos on my wall of the Mercedes AMG team running, as Black Falcon, I think it was, uh, running a Mercedes in the British GT race to gather data for the 24 hours, which was happening a month hence. You cannot do that anymore. You cannot run in the same class as you would run in the 24. So the Herbeth car, the 718 Cayman, was entered into GT4 AM. It was the only runner in GT4 AM, and therefore took the win. But they were there purely to get familiar familiarity with the Spa-Francorchamps Grand Prix circuit ahead of the race that really mattered to them, which was the 24 hours. A week later, Paddock Motorsport took sixth in silver GT4 Silver Cup. Ashley Marshall, Mo Ritson in the McLaren, ahead of Will Burns and Jack Brown in the M4 GT4 from Century. Veluga Racing, change of drivers this time. The number 51 car, uh, crewed by Lucky Kara and Benji Hetherington. Um, that's Porsche 718 came in GT4 hours club sport as well ahead of Tom Rawlings and Chris Salkeld in the number nine Century Motorsport BMW. The number 56 of Joe Reeler and Freddie Tomlinson, the Janetta G56 GT4 from Assetto, took 25th overall, ninth in GT4 Silver, ahead of the two GT3 cars, which classified right down the order. The only non-classified car was Mia Fluitt and Ewan Hanke. In the 76 car, uh, they retired at the end of lap eight. Couple of non-starters, though. Motus One didn't make the start for James Wallace and Michael Broadhurst, and neither two did Mark Samson and Will Tregertha in the Bentley Continental GT3. So that brings us to this weekend, and my quick catch-up of what's happened has so far taken 58 minutes, so I'm not going to belabor too many more points here. Okay. Uh, this weekend at Brands Hatch, potentially titles could be claimed, but they will be provisional in the GT3 class until the results of the Fox and Paddock appeal come back from the National Court, and as the time of recording... We've got no answer on that. Um, potentially, assuming a good race, and a good race it could well be, because given that there is no result for Spa, 
there can be no success seconds for Brands Hatch. Um, but assuming a good race, uh, Ian Loggie could finally, after what seven, eight years of trying, become the British GT overall GT3 champion on Sunday. Um, likewise, Alex Malakian and James Dolan, who have not been trying for anywhere near as long, I'd say a good seven and a half years less, uh, could become Silver Am champions as well. The GT3 Teams Championship provisionally is already decided. Um, they've already got a total which nobody else can beat with the amount of points that are left on the table. That goes to Ram Racing. Uh, the results from Spa can just complicate the mass of who comes second. In GT4, there is everything to play for. Um, what I've not managed to get an answer on yet is um, whether the GT4 results, um, whether, whether the GT4 results have been issued, and I've just found the answer there. Um, the results were unofficial, but they are pretty much certain uh, that that we know the championship situation in GT4. The situation here is that there are three different crews that could claim the GT4 overall title. Um, they're one point off. Uh, sorry, my apologies. The race winning car from Spa and from race one at Snetterton. This is Jamie Day and Josh Miller, pair of 16-year-olds, youngest ever title-winning crew, if they pull it off, are one point behind Matt Topham and Darren Turner. Now, do not expect this to be an easy fight for the 16-year-olds to win, because Matt Topham and Darren Turner have got their eyes firmly on the overall title, having claimed Pro-Am last year. And... Matt Topham's got more GT4 racing experience than these two 16-year-olds, let alone Darren Turner, who was racing in a world championship when I first discovered GT racing well over a decade ago. <laughs> so we're talking about a man who's forgotten more about GT racing than Day Jamie Day and Josh Miller have probably yet learned. Richard Williams and Senon Fielding are one point further back. Now, these two guys are, again, fairly determined to claim titles. They wanted to move up to GT3, moved up to GT3, then GT3 changed, and they couldn't continue racing together in GT3, so they went back to GT4, um, and they've been looking for, looking for a place to call home, and they appear to have found that in the GT4 Silver Cup, and now they are looking for a title to hang on the wall of that home. There are three points covering the top three crews in the overall GT GT4 championship with just two races left. This is edgier seat stuff. Um, Donington Decider is going to be epic in GT4. And just as last year where we had a lot of stuff decided in GT3 first and it let GT4 shine on the on the broadcast from Donington Park. I kinda hope we get the same again this year. I will be honest. Um so coming into Brands Hatch, only 
Darren Turner and Matt Topham can take the title this weekend. Um, that would require, however, the Newbridge Motorsport car to win GT4 overall and anybody else that could, in theory, catch them to not score. And that is the other Aston Martin, the R racing car. That is the Audi from Stella. That is the Academy Motorsport Mustang and the title defending BMW from Century. It's GT4 is anyone's game. We can't really make any predictions. What we can predict is that it's going to be an absolutely epic two hours on an absolutely epic circuit in the Garden of England, uh, in, in Kent. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Now, that brings me to our coverage for this weekend. And as you've seen over the past season or so, we've been not dabbling, but almost dabbling in different ways of, of doing this, um, using video content from the racetrack and things like that. What we're looking to do now, uh, to guarantee that there's content for you as soon as possible after the race meetings, uh, as relevant as it can be, is we're going to try and produce content at the end of each racing day this weekend. Uh, this will be audio content, which will be put out via the podcast feed, um, almost like a, a, a radio report from circuit, but focus specifically on the racing that, that nobody else is covering because they don't know how much we love it. Um, so this weekend, the plan is that on Saturday, we'll have a report up for you sometime in the evening. On Sunday, we'll have a report up for you, hopefully before we leave the circuit. Um, but it may end up being uh, late Sunday or possibly even Monday before it gets up. But there should not be another multi-month wait for content. We will then uh, arrange once a month for us to get together and discuss the news that's going on around the sports car world. This is where I can indulge myself and uh, wax lyrical about the wonders of sports car racing in the United States as well. Uh, we can discuss other things that aren't just directly related to the British GT Championship or the GT Cup Championship as well. And if we like, and if you guys like what is happening, uh, then this is what we will continue to do. Um, now, you may have, if you follow particularly myself on social media, uh, you may have seen that in terms of our creative uh, relationship, I am no longer involved with the checkered flag. Um, so I am no longer having to produce written content for the checkered flag from the racetrack, which means I can go off and produce more multimedia content for the podcast, uh, for British Sports Car Podcast on its social media channels as well. Um, I'm not as tied to the media centre as I once was. Sarah, unfortunately, is still tied to the media centre, 
because putting out about 17,000 tweets in a two-hour period takes a bit of effort. Um, but this is what we're going to try for you over the next race weekend. What we do also have to put in here, uh, and again, I'm almost a little bit ashamed to ask, and it isn't an ask, uh, but as I said earlier on, there are costs and expenses involved in running this podcast. Uh, there is a hosting cost for the podcast. There is a separate hosting cost for the website that we've been working on while we've been up air as well. And then there is the cost in labour uh, to actually record and produce the podcast. Um, I don't know whether any of you are aware of what goes into podcast production, but when we sit down to record, we aim to record about an hour to an hour and a half of content. Uh, if we're going to record an hour and an hour and a half of usable content, we'll be recording for the better part of three hours. And then Sarah has to go through all of that three hours, clear up all the obvious errors, balance out the sound levels um, and things like that. So if we are going to produce a one and a half hour podcast, in terms of the collective hours that go into it, we're looking more like an 11 or 12 hour day's work to produce that content and the imagery for social media and things like that as well turn out a, a, a decent podcast. And this is just the, the standard episode. If we're doing a guest special episode, which we really do want to get back into doing, uh, if anybody out there is listening that wants to come on the podcast as a racing guest, uh, please do contact us at Brit SC podcast on social media. Thank you very much. Um, they take up longer because we have to do all the necessary research and, and prepare an interview as well. Now, we are absolutely determined that access to our content should not have to cost you guys anything. Um, but if we're going to be able to focus on the podcast the way that we want to, the podcast, quite frankly, I, I sell my time out at £30 an hour. Sarah sells her time out at £20 an hour, give or take. Um, so each hour that's got both of us in it, <laughs> really, it's costing £50 for every hour that we're involved. And if we're going to push this podcast forward to what we want it to be and what we hope you guys want it to be as well, then we need to start having it bring in some money. Otherwise, we're going to continue to produce the podcast uh, until such time as it becomes completely financially unsustainable. We are not there yet. Don't worry. But if you feel you could contribute in any way to the production of the podcast, we do have now a buymeacoffee.com page. So if you want to help to offset some of the, the costs involved in running the British Sports Car Podcast, please, 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 www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Podcast. Uh, you can go there. You can write something nice and supportive about us if you want to. And you can choose to buy one, three, five, or a bespoke number of coffees. It's a, a round number of coffees. Um, the, the system itself uh, says that a coffee will cost a fiver, um, which is a, about the average bill at my local Starbucks. Um, but we're not 
saying you've got to pay to access the content. We're not asking you to subscribe to a premium channel. We're just, if you feel that you can and you want to help us to, to provide this content, drop us a fiver uh, or, or whatever it is you feel we deserve. Um, and have our, our heartfelt thanks. Now, I am sorry to end on a beg, but I want to achieve what we've come to believe is the impossible here. And that is that we finish an episode of the British Sports Car Podcast at less than an hour and a half. And right now I'm running at one hour, 11 minutes and 25 seconds. So Sarah blames me for the fact we keep overrunning. I think if an episode of just me and it comes in under, it must be her, yeah? Anyway. Um, Thank you very much for listening. I do apologize. Very information heavy in terms of results. We're going to get more of the content that you want to hear in terms of race driver interviews, um, information on what's actually happened on track to you this weekend with this new format that we're trying of actually releasing podcast content from the racetrack alongside social media content. I'm very excited for it. I hope that you are too. If you've got any questions, comments, suggestions, begs for me to shut up, send them in via social media. We are at Brit SC podcast on all social media channels. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you want your podcast to sound like, and we will do our level best to comply. For now, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your week. And if any of you are at Rans Hatch, get in touch. Let's have a meetup. We'll have a can of Pepsi in the boot for you. Fantastic. Have a nice evening. Thanks for listening to the British Sports Car Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on socials at BritSC Podcast. This podcast is a Storm Vixen created production in conjunction with RPS Driven Media.